the successful runner in the race of faith will hold close to his heart the grace that he's received and will refuse to trade it away for earthly things. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Hi everybody, I'm Jeff Wickwire and welcome to Life Talk. Last time we discussed three landmines to watch out for in the race of faith. Today we're going to take a closer look at those and discuss how to experience victory over them. So join me right now as we continue the message called Forward. At first you're hurt. How could they have said that? How could they have done that? But then your hurt grows into anger, and you begin the oh-so-familiar path of offense. And let me show you what it is. First, you nurse it. First, you nurse it. You don't want to let go of it. You got hurt, and you deserve to be hurt, and bless God, you're going to nurse it. It's like a baby in your arms. I understand. You nurse it. You nurture it. Not realizing that that anger... That hurt that is festering, if you don't get rid of it, it's going to progress. It never remains stationary. So you nurse it by holding on to it and coddling it. Then you rehearse it. You rehearse it by reliving the offending event over and over in your mind. You know what it is? It's on a continual loop in your mind. It is stuck on a loop. You are reliving what happened, what was said, what was done. And it goes over and it goes over and it goes over. And every time you relive it, you go, yeah, I've got a right to be mad. I've got a right to be angry. Man, any human being would be angry. Of course I'm angry. They were wrong and I'm right. You nurse it and then you begin to rehearse it. It's on a replay loop. And then you don't know it, but as you continually rehearse it and nurse it, it is putting roots down into your soul. The Bible calls it the root of bitterness. It's putting roots down. And as those roots begin to go down, that offense becomes a part of who you are. Have you ever noticed you can get around somebody who's offended and the first, you don't have to talk to them five minutes, it comes out. And that's why I say first you nurse it, then you rehearse it, then you disperse it. If you don't deal with it, you're going to disperse it. And that's how many become defiled. Because, see, you're looking at what happened through your eyes, and when you repeat it to somebody else, what you're really looking for is company in your offense. Offended people don't like to be mad alone. They want people on their side. So you nurse it. Oh, I understand. You should feel this way. You rehearse it. Oh, what they did, what they did, what they did, what they said, what they did. And then down go the roots. And now... When people see you coming, they know what they're going to hear. They're going to hear regurgitated your offense. And the Bible says, by that many become defiled. You defile people. That offense defiles people. You know what they do? They pick up your offense, which is exactly what the offended person wanted. They pick up your offense, and they begin to carry the offense with you, and they get as mad as you. 
Now, the person that did the offending, let's say it's in a church setting. The person that did the offending, this is not real, so don't get paranoid. The person that got offended is over here. The people that have picked up the offense are over here. Now, the preacher gets up to share, and you know what I see? I see darts flying from eyes over here towards the offender over here. And what happens is the church divides over the offense and becomes defiled. And you know what? That church, that church congregation begins to be identified with the offense instead of Jesus. You nurse it, you rehearse it, you disperse it. Now the thing is moving through the congregation or moving through your family or moving through your workplace. The Bible warns that this is a trap. It's a landmine in the race of faith. He's telling us in Hebrews, watch out, be careful. Inspect yourself, looking carefully, lest anybody fail of the grace of God and a root of bitterness goes down. He's saying, inspect yourself. Inspect yourself and be sure that the root of bitterness is not in you. Because if the root is in you, as goes the root, so goes the fruit. If the root is in you, then what comes out of you will be according to the root. We only speak about the roots that are in us. If the root is Jesus, we're going to talk about it. If the root is positive, we're going to talk about it. But if it's a root of bitterness, we're going to talk about it. You may say, I hear you now. You may say, but Jeff, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Because the only way out of an offense is to forgive. And can I say it? You should forgive fast, forgive quickly. Don't give that thing time to go on a loop and start looping in your head and put a root down. You got to get rid of it quickly. Get rid of it like you would get rid of a rattlesnake in your living room. Would you allow a rattlesnake to sit there and coil up and begin to do this in your living room? You'd be headed for the nearest shotgun or something to kill it immediately. We should treat an offense that way. You got to forgive quickly, forgive quickly so that the root of bitterness can't burrow down into your soul because one day you're going to wake up and that thing's going to define you. You say, but Jeff, they don't deserve my forgiveness because I'm right and they're wrong and they know they're wrong and I know I'm right. You're right. They probably don't deserve your forgiveness, but did you deserve God's forgiveness? And did I, uh, uh-uh. uh, listen to the Bible, be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ, as God in Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. He says, as you have been forgiven, you should forgive. Nobody was stronger on this than Jesus. Jesus said, if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Wow, Jesus, I've often thought, thanks a lot. That's a heavy word because I'm not feeling all fluffy and lovey-dovey towards this person. I have no emotion driving me to forgive. You don't have to. All you got to do is say it. You don't have to have the emotion. He didn't say, when you feel like it, forgive. You know what? Since when are you going to feel like forgiving somebody that stabbed you in the back? or betrayed you, or hurt you, or wronged you. You're not going to feel it. But here's the deal. You have power in between your teeth. I want you to say with me, the tongue. The tongue. The Bible says the tongue is powerful. Death and life are in it. And you don't have to feel something to say it. So you just say, I forgive. And then say it again, I forgive. Say it 30 times a day if you need to. I forgive. Eventually, Your spirit is going to follow what you say. 
Knowing how much the Lord loves us, I believe he's this strong on forgiveness because he knows what the root of bitterness will do to us. It takes us off the racetrack of life. So say with me, forgive quickly, forgive truly, and forgive permanently. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? That's right. So he says, in your race of faith, be a forgiver. Now, second, he deals with something else. Are you ready? Sexual sin. He said, lest there be any fornicator. Lest there be any fornicator. Now, that's a landmine. Now, I'm not expecting everybody to jump up and shout and clap as I'm on this. It's going to be so quiet you could hear a pin drop on a shag carpet, but I'm going anyway. Here we go. Lest there be any fornicator. Now, just as damaging to the soul as bitterness is sexual sin. Now, let me just define it. Sexual sin is sexual activity with another person outside of marriage or sexual activity with somebody other than your spouse. That covers all sexual sin. Paul the Apostle wrote these words. He said, don't be immoral in matters of sex. That is a sin against your own body. I'm going to read that again. That's a sin against your own body in a way that no other sin is. Did you catch that? He's telling us that sexual sin is uniquely destructive. Sexual sin is like none other. Just recently a movie hit the theaters, and I wouldn't give the title, except it has totally saturated the culture. And if you haven't heard of Fifty Shades of Grey, you're living on the dark side of Mars. It's out there. It's an exceedingly damaging movie. I haven't seen it. Of course, I won't. But I've read about it. It's exceedingly damaging because it places its seal of approval on violence against women and on men treating women as objects to be abused. Its message of love and sex is so twisted and skewed that it's insane that it's breaking box office records. It says something to me about the culture. Let me tell you the truth about a culture. When a society is in moral decline, it must turn and always will to more deviant practices to get its thrills because the old ones no longer do it. A society that is spiraling downward morally always, I'm going to say always, starts defining deviancy down. What used to be Deviant is no longer deviant. What used to be wrong is no longer wrong. What used to be repulsive is no longer repulsive. What used to be anathema is no longer anathema because a society sold out to the flesh that rejects God is only going to spiral downward. And in doing so, you must define deviancy down so that your conscience won't protest you. And America is in a race, folks, to see how fast it can destroy God's standards for morality. We're in a race. I feel like every single day that I wake up and look at the news, we've got another step down, another step down. God help America. God help America. Because there is no way America's not going to pay for the immorality it is now embracing and God's standards it has rejected. Folks, I want to promise you, let God be true and every man a liar. No matter what the culture says is right or wrong, you don't look to the culture for what you get your right and wrong from. We get it from the Holy Bible, and it doesn't change. It's never changed. 
So here's a few of the nays or reasons for saying no to sexual sin. First, sexual sin is particularly and uniquely damaging and destructive. It corrodes, it destroys genuine intimacy due to guilt. It separates us from God. It's like battery acid to a healthy self-image. Talk to any woman who's allowed herself to be used and abused. Ask her, how do you feel about yourself? That made you feel better about you? That's what Fifty Shades of Grey teaches. The woman is a sex object to be abused. It's revolting. It's repulsive. It's insanity. It's sick. It's skewed. It's ill. I heard some woman being interviewed this week on the way home. She was on a talk show. She was one of these call-ins. And the host was against the movie. And she said, oh, it's just totally innocent. There's nothing to it. It's just innocent. It's just people experimenting with different things. And I thought, there's a good example of the dumbing down of our culture. Oh, really? Now it's in to be beat up? It's battery acid to a healthy self-image. It breaks down the family unit guaranteed sexual sin. It brings unwanted little boys and girls into the world if they're fortunate enough to avoid the abortion mill. And it unleashes destructive and debilitating diseases upon your body guaranteed. Hence, Paul says, it's a sin against your own body. When the sexual revolution began in the 60s, there were two venereal diseases. After the sexual revolution of the 60s, last time I looked, there were 33. What you sow, you reap. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. The whole message of the 60s sexual revolution was, hey, it's okay, let's cast off the shackles of all that antiquated Victorian teaching from the Bible and let's be free. Well, that freedom went from two venereal diseases to 33 in one generation, and that's just the body. Hebrews says, watch out for the landmine of sexual sin. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of suggestions for those of you that are single and dating around. Let me give you a couple of suggestions to avoid it. Are you ready? Grab the size of your chair. I hear some of you thinking, man, I didn't know he was going here today. I would have stayed home. Watch this. First, here's my first advice. Don't date anybody you wouldn't consider marrying. Why waste your time? Second, tell the person you're dating right up front what your convictions are about moral purity. You may find out right then and there they weren't for you as they race towards the nearest exit door. Third, ready? Minimize touch and maximize talk. You do not get to know somebody by touch. You get to know them by talk, by listening, by sharing your faith, sharing your dreams, sharing your goals, sharing who you are. That's how you get to know somebody. Lastly, never fall for the line, and this is free. I could save you a lot of money in counseling here. Never fall for the line. If you loved me, you would let me. Listen, love will wait, lust never will. It says that Jacob worked for seven years to gain the hand of Rachel in marriage. And quote, this is the Bible, quote, they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Love will wait. Love will happily wait. Love will gladly wait. Lust never will. So we're to beware of bitterness and we're to beware of sexual sin. And then there's a last one. And let me deal with it before we go. We're to beware of being profane. He says, or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Now, let me explain this to you. You remember Esau and Jacob. And Esau was 
the firstborn, Jacob grabbed his heel as they were being born. They were born twins. Esau was redheaded, hairy. He was kind of animal-like. Jacob was smooth-skinned and more of a dweller in tents. He liked staying home and playing video games. Esau liked going out and hunting deer. You get it? All right. So here they are. And Jacob was rightly called the trickster. He's called the trickster, really the con artist. And the fact that he grabbed Esau's heel as they were being born was prophetic and indicative of the way that Jacob would be in his entire life. And that one day he would do it again and he would usurp Esau's position as firstborn. Because Jacob knew that Esau loved to eat and loved the things of this world. So one day Esau's out in the field and he's hunting. Jacob cooks up a big pot of steaming hot wolf brand chili. Okay. Venison. And the Bible says that he waited for Esau to come out of the field. He said, I know when he comes out of that field, he's going to be hungry and I want something. So he waited and here comes Esau. He's tired. He's famished. He can't wait to stop and get something to eat. And Jacob goes out and meets him. He's got this bowl of stew right here. He blows the fragrance into his face and he says, Hey, look what I've got for you. Esau said, give me some of that stew. I'm so hungry. He said, wait a minute. I'll give it to you gladly. All I want is your birthright. Now, as the firstborn, he was going to get the mother load of everything Isaac had, his daddy. He would get the mother load of all of it because he was firstborn. He had all kinds of privileges as firstborn that Jacob, as secondborn, didn't have. Jacob wanted what he had. So he moved in like the devil. He was devil-like right here. And he said, I just want your birthright. Now, here's where Esau was profane. Esau said, oh, man, that's fine. You can have it. You know what profane means? It means taking lightly the things of God. Not treasuring the things of God. He said, oh, the birthright, no big deal. Give me that bowl of porridge. And he took it. And the Bible says he despised his birthright. That word despise means take lightly. He took lightly what God had given him. He took lightly his inheritance in God. The Bible says, watch out in the race of faith that you don't become profane. That simply means you take lightly, flippantly, casually what God has given you by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Be careful because the devil will come up to you like Jacob. The devil is just like Jacob. He will put something in front of your face and bring you to a choice. You want instant gratification or do you want the long-term blessing of God? The profane person is somebody who easily casts away their spiritual walk with God for indulgence in temporary pleasure. As Esau gave up his birthright. And the Bible says he knew what he had done after he did it. And he tried with everything in him to get it back, but he couldn't because it was a done deal. The profane person doesn't treasure what they have in Jesus Christ. And they don't think twice about trading it away for cheap, temporary, earthly things. That's what you got to watch out for. People do it all the time. And you have to know, and that's why I'm bringing this word to us today, because I, you, we, and every believer listening and watching is going to have a Jacob approach with a bowl of porridge. It can be a person. It can be a place. It can be a thing, but it will smell and look and seem oh so good. And it will pull and appeal to your carnal nature. 
The greatest treasure you and I have, church, is salvation by grace through faith and all the privileges that our salvation brought. We've been delivered from hell to heaven. We have authority over the enemy, power over the flesh. We have the Holy Spirit living within. We have the precious word of God that is our daily manna. We have a walk with Jesus Christ the world cannot have. We can get up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord, and hear him say, good morning back to us. We can walk with him and talk with him and fellowship with him and experience God's peace in the middle of storms. We have such an incredible, unbelievable inheritance in him. It is exceeding abundant above anything we could ask for or think of. And the writer of the Hebrews is telling us, be careful that you don't become profane, that you don't ever get to the place where you take that lightly. The successful runner in the race of faith will hold close to his heart the grace that he's received and will refuse to trade it away for earthly things. Now, that's a good word. We need to hear that because we're in a day where we're watching churches wholesale walk away from the word, walk away from God, and to get the nod of approval from the world. I don't care what the world thinks. I do not care what the world thinks, but I do care what he thinks. If I wake up and I know that he's not feeling good about me, I get it right because He's my treasure. Jesus said, listen, he said, when you get saved, you have found a treasure in a field and a pearl of great price. Well, that's it for today. I trust this message on landmines helped you. I think of the Bible passage that promises, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's when we hide God's word in our hearts that we are strengthened to avoid the devil's traps and walk in victory. And be sure to join me next time as we begin a new life-changing series entitled The Unsung Heroes. Until then, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand. Today's broadcast or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. 
and you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. Forward is the final message of Pastor Jeff's series, The Race. You can own a copy of this six CD set for just $30 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The Race, for only $30 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. We'll be right back.